0: I think it's important for my students to see that like, yes, you can be feminine and you can love makeup, but you also can be a brilliant scientist who has a PhD in inorganic chemistry and likes to blow stuff up and make science fun. I want young girls to know that it it doesn't matter what you're interested in. Just read as much as you can about it, learn about it. And then once you're passionate about it, you have these skills, share it with the world as much as you can to make the world a better place. Sylvia and
1: me. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Kate Weberdorf, but you may know me as Kate the Chemist. I'm a chemistry professor, a science entertainer, and the author of several children's books and about to be author of It's Elemental. It comes out soon. So thank you so much for having me. Y'all are listening to Sylvia and me.
1: Hey, thank you so much for being here. And as I said, two seconds ago, uh, when we first met, I wish um, you were one of the professors or teachers or something when I was in school many, many moons ago, because science <laughs> was something that, I, now I, I never, uh, I, as, as you've said in your book on several places, especially in the um, introduction, Uh, about nerds. Um, They just know everything. And what I'd like to do is you've made science fun and you spoke about your new book soon to be released. It's Elemental, The Hidden Chemistry and Everything, because you believe there's chemistry in everything. And after reading a lot of this, I, yeah, there is, but who would have known? (laughs) But can we go back a little... um, When did you get uh, interested in chemistry? Chemistry to me is like experiments and making stuff. When when did you get interested?
0: Well, I think I always was a bit inquisitive. My parents will tell you that I drove them crazy asking questions. Why? Why? How does this work? And just they would count the number of questions I'd ask on drives. Um, And it was just part of my nature. But it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school, I was 15 years old and I was introduced to Mrs. Kelly Palsrock. She's this wonderful, incredible high school teacher. And she seriously just brought chemistry to life for me. She was energetic. She was passionate. She would run around the classroom. And honestly, ever since I was 15, I knew I wanted to be a chemist because of this wonderful, incredible woman. Really? That's all it
1: takes is one person in your life to make such a big difference, and you're making a big difference on so many young
0: people, especially young girls. That is the goal. I mean, I'll admit it. I try to say that I want everyone to like science, but I secretly, I want young girls to see that anybody can do this. We all know that representation matters. If you can see it, you can be it. And so I think it's important that I'm walking around on my Stage, depending on if it's for 500 students or thousands of people at festivals. Um, but it's important for them to see me slightly feminine. I mean, I'm not Kim Kardashian. I'm not trying to go that way or anything. I just, but I do wear makeup and I, you know, I, you know what I mean? But I, you know, I wear makeup and I wear pencil skirts and blouses. And I really do love red bottom heels. That's my, one of my things that I just love and adore. And so I think it's important for my students to see that, like, yes, you can be feminine and you can love makeup, but you also can be a brilliant scientist who has a PhD in inorganic chemistry chemistry and likes to blow stuff up and make science fun.
1: Well, you talked about blowing stuff up. I believe you call yourself a
0: self-proclaimed pyromaniac. I do. (laughs) I love it. I love it. There's something about the fire, man. It's the explosions that I can feel it in my heart. Fourth of July is one of my favorite holidays because you can feel the fireworks. They just boom in your soul. And it's all chemistry in action, all electrons moving, all atoms rearranging. And when you understand the fundamental principles of chemistry, you really truly know and you you understand what's going on around you at every moment in your life.
1: And one of the things that you've talked about are the two important things and getting somebody really interested is the visual and the smell.
0: Can you explain that? Well, I think it's important for people to interact with it or feel it. And so I'm a, I'm a big believer in VARK. It's a learning theory. So V-A-R-K, visual, oral, reading, and kinesthetic. And so I, surprise, surprise, I'm a visual and kinesthetic learner. <laughs> I learn by seeing things, feeling things, touching them. And so I know that some of my students have that exact same learning style. So it's important to me to show the chemistry, to try to actually act out what an electron is doing. And if they can smell it, that means they're smelling molecules that weren't in their nose before but now they are and so you can kind of bring the science alive chemistry is such a difficult topic to to see right you have to kind of just believe me when i'm saying well there's these atoms and they have electrons and <laughs> protons like you just have to trust me and so anything that i can do in my classroom to to get them to see this to feel it to smell it to breathe it anything like that it just helps them connect the dots and makes them better scientists and i believe if you're a good scientist that makes you a good citizen you know, you can be a good voter. You know what a good source is. It all leads to being a good adult.
1: Okay. But we're going to start with young children because um, it's been told, and I know you've said it, and I believe it, that young girls usually by the age, by hitting puberty, they have an idea whether they want to be math, whether they want to be science, what they want to be. So when do you start really um, e- experimenting with them? When do you start engaging them in science
0: and getting them interested? I think any parent, guardian, babysitter, nanny can do that from like the beginning, right? Anytime you're doing an experiment, when you're playing with those little boxes and it's, you know, here's a circle, does it go into the square? That's kind of experimenting. Your brain is figuring out these critical thinking skills and learning everything. Truthfully, I will say that personally, I have like a five and up age. I, there's something about preschool. They don't listen to my directions and I just don't feel safe bringing my blowtorch and my dry ice out there. But for kindergarten, I've learned that I can kind of get them to listen and I can kind of get the kindergartner teachers to like wrangle them. So I've, I've learned that works for me. Uh, but I, so I have a book that, well, I have several kids books, but one of them is the uh, big book of experiments and that is geared for middle grade kids. So eight to 12. And I think there's just this perfect age range where they can go in, they can do the experiments. It's fun. They have an inquisitive nature when they see the bubbles, they want to know how. Um, and in the book, what was really important to me was to add three, at least, at least three things that they could then do. Do with that same materials and go continue exploring. So it's kind of like, what if questions? What if you use a three liter soda bottle, how's that going to change the, the experiment? What if you add baking soda to this? How's that going to change the experiment? And so just all these things to get their brains moving and questioning, because that's what a scientist is. We see something, right? We have an observation and then we try to figure out what the heck just happened, right? Well, how did that happen? How did our atoms, our molecules, how did that make that uh, transition occur?
1: Well, okay. So you said you've always been uh, an an inquisitive uh, person. You were an inquisitive child. You nudged your parents, kept asking them why, why, why. How do you see teaching differently than
0: it was, say, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Oh, great question. Well, I'm from a small town, um, Portage, Michigan, may or may not have heard of it, probably not, Uh, but it's a very small town. And so we didn't necessarily have these amazing experts in every single field. And so for me, science came alive when they pushed the TV on the car into the classroom and we got to watch Bill Nye. I mean, I grew up (laughs) watching Bill Nye. It was Bill, 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 right? And he was able to come into our classroom, bring it alive. And I I have vivid memories of watching him in fifth grade and having it be some of my favorite days because we get to see all these cool stuff that he did. Um, but now things have changed a little bit because, A, we're not wheeling TVs in, but I think it's a little bit more accessible. Kids can very easily pop onto YouTube, you know, with parental controls and whatnot, and get their questions answered. Uh, this morning, I just didn't ask me anything on Reddit, and I had tons of different questions that came in clearly from younger kids. I had moms asking questions that their kids were asking. And so I think there's a lot of ways you can get your questions answered more easily. Um, you can connect with, I don't want to say celebrities, but you can connect with, experts in the field with people who know exactly what's doing, I think it's a little bit easier nowadays. That being said, there's also distractions. So as soon as you pull out the iPad, there's also text messages, there's games, there's everything. So I think it might be a little bit more difficult to stay focused. So there, it's competing things. But I do think the information is at our fingertips, and that's much easier than what I had growing up. I I would have killed for that.
1: Okay, so let's get into it's elemental, Um, the hidden chemistry and everything. And you are uh, very adamant about the fact that there is science, there is chemistry and everything um, from getting up in the morning from breakfast, from even putting on makeup. So take one of those and, and, and uh, you know, for a child, how would you uh, tell
0: them? Oh, sure. For a child, let's talk about breakfast. Um, So probably children have seen that in the morning, adults get up and somehow get caffeine. I'm a diet Coke coke girl, I'll admit it. Um, Some people are coffee drinkers, but a lot of adults, they go for the caffeine. And so you can explain caffeine to a kid really, really easily. So caffeine is a molecule it's in your, you can skip that word if you want. You can just say caffeine is something that <laughs> allows for us to have energy. Okay. So that's level one, that's a kindergarten explanation, but you can dive deeper into this. So how does caffeine actually work? Well, it's this beautiful white odorless powder called trimethylxanthine. And what it does is it goes into our brain and it forms these bonds with our receptors and it actually blocks another molecule like a bouncer. So if you've ever heard of a bouncer before, that's what caffeine does. So adenosine is is the molecule that actually makes us get sleepy and tired. So when that binds to our brain, we get sleepy. So what caffeine does is it like fights its way in there and says, "Uh uh-uh, no thank you, adenosine, get away from here right now. And it pushes adenosine basically out of your brain, doesn't allow for it to do the bond, and it blocks the molecule from making you feel sleepy or tired. So caffeine is a bouncer for your brain, simple as that.
1: Okay, well, the rest of the stuff that you said wasn't exactly simple. (laughs) <laughs> for the brain, that five or six-year-old will understand. Not only that, but we have parents who—I mean, if I ever said that to my sons, uh, I'd have been reading off the script. Number one, uh, the other thing I wouldn't be able to to um, enunciate the words. So we have parents who could be having a lot of fun with their children talking about chemistry. A lot of parents um, didn't have this type of education growing up. So it's a question of uh, getting the parents exposed to how fun it could be and the fact that it's not just nerdy and and taking away a lot of the things that you talked about.
0: Yeah, well, to be honest, this book has been a long time coming. So I used to do shows for kids all the time. So here in Austin, I called it my hustling phase. I would do anywhere between two to nine shows a week for elementary school students mostly, sometimes middle school, but it was mostly the younger kids. Um, and they would be shows at the elementary school, or there would be big explosions Saturday and Sunday, and that everybody in the community was welcome to join us. And what I learned is at the end of all these shows, parents would come up to me and they'd be like, Well, little Susie has a question about how sunscreen works. And I'm like, Really? Little Susie does, or does mommy have this question about how sunscreen <laughs> works? And so we would start having these conversations, and I was learning that the parents were using their kids to get their burning science questions answered. And so I started kind of making a list of these. And then at the same time, I noticed that when I go out to a bar and I have drinks with friends, after you know a cocktail or two, they then reach for their burning science questions, like, Hey, you know what? I actually just saw this makeup, and it uses this molecule. This, have you heard anything about it? What's the truth in there? And so I kind of started just making a list. And so all all of these questions that have ever been asked to me are what I put into this book. And so I I talk about the most interesting things, things that people actually want to know the answer to. So like lipstick, people want to know, well, you know, some people want to know, not everybody, but some people want to know how lipstick works. And essentially there's three main molecules in there, right? So you've got your Curnova wax, which is essentially like a palm wax that gives your lipstick its shape. So it holds it in that shape. So it looks like the lipstick. And so it doesn't melt. You also have petrolatrum, which is like olive oil. And that's the piece that's going to actually move your lipstick from the lipstick to your lips. So it's the transfer agent. It pushes it off of the lipstick onto your mouth. And then the last one is probably the most important, depending on the look you're going for, <laughs> that's your silicone oil. And that's the one that's going to lock your lipstick into place. And so there's three main molecules that holds the shape, transfers the lipstick, and then locks it onto your lips that are key. And without them, your lipstick doesn't work very well. So it's, it's everywhere. Like the chemistry is everywhere where you like it or not, you're a chemist knowing everything you do in your life life- <laughs> Well, um,
1: there you go. And as we said just a few minutes ago, you're uh, you really, as much as you want everyone to be into chemistry, you'd like girls to really figure out that you can be feminine and you could go into the science area. Science area is for everyone. And look what you just talked about. you talked about lipstick. And what young girl doesn't want to put on her mother's lipstick or, you know, look like whoever they think is the person that they need to look like at that particular time. So you're making it interesting. You're making it fun. And from what you talked about with the shows, it almost sounds like magic shows, which keeps someone's interest yeah. Except magic shows didn't usually have a big boom or bang at the end. <laughs> um, they had magic. So you're you're showing
0: children that there's something magical about chemistry. Absolutely. We're bringing it alive. And it's so funny because a lot of my colleagues, we we cringe as a community of like magic versus science. It's one of our things because we're all like, it's never magic. It's always science. Every magician is really a scientist and they're putting on science shows. Um, and so it's one of those words. It's just like one of the, you know, it's one of those weird things. And we just it's never bothered me. I'm going to be completely honest because I, I agree with you. It looks like magic. These kids see these color changes. They see the explosions. They see the fire and it looks like magic. They don't have the skills to understand that it's science. So in the beginning for young kids, I am a hundred percent about that. But if I'm talking to one of my girlfriends and she's like, look at this magic trick. She knows I'm coming after her with that terminology. I can't.
1: <laughs> well, again, as you just said, talking to younger, you know, young children, is different mm-hmm. than talking to somebody who's older, um, but to get somebody interested, especially at a young age, to do what you do and how you get them um, actually uh, wanting to ask questions and saying, "Gee, that's that's great." You need to start off with something that will grab a child. They probably at five or six, you know, the word chemistry, it's too long. They probably don't know how to spell it. The word magic. Yeah, they could spell that. And then you morph it into exactly what you're talking about. So your colleagues who
0: say, eh, don't use that Mm -hmm. word, they don't get where you're coming from. (laughs) I agree. I completely agree with you because you have to speak the language. Just like you said, a kid doesn't know what the word molecule means. If I start talking about the atomic structure, I'm going to lose them immediately. Uh, but one of the things I did when I first started writing children's books and when I partnered with Penguin is we decided to come out with a nonfiction and the fiction series. So I have two experiment books. So there's the big book of experiments. And then there's also uh, the edible book of experiments. You can actually eat all 25 experiments. It's all chemistry in the kitchen. But in addition to that, we came out with five fiction books. And so it's a fiction series. It's a little Kate, the chemist. She's a 10 year old version of myself. Um, and she goes around and uses science to solve her, na- neighbor- her neighborhood problems. Um, so the very first one is called dragons versus unicorns and Kate's in the the school play. And she uses her science to solve all these things that happen. And it was really important to me to do this because when I was a kid, like we've already talked about, I wanted to do the experiments. I wanted to take this apart, put it back together and try to light it on fire. Not so much as a kid (laughs) when I was older, but my sister, not so much. She didn't want to do any of that. And so when I was partnering with Penguin, it was really important to me to make sure that the the two types of kids that were in my household, they were taken care of. So I wrote the Experiment book for myself, the younger version of myself, and the fiction series is all about getting kids who might not like science, or maybe they don't think they like chemistry, but they they think it's really cool that this little kid breathes fire and does all this other stuff. So they can read through the entire book, and at the very end, um, I made sure to include an experiment that the kids do in the book, that the characters do in the book. So maybe once the you know the little ten year old has read through the fiction book, now they're a little bit interested in science. Maybe they're willing to do one hands on experiment, and the experiment in the back of the book, somehow usually saved the day in the book. And so it's a fun way to bring it alive. Um, and I found that it, it's working. I've heard that some parents are telling me that their kids weren't into science, but then they read the book and now they're kind of into science. So they're going to read the second one. They're going to see how it goes. And just those little, little successes go a long way. Cause you're right. No, not everyone wants to be a chemist. Right? Not everyone does. I didn't want to be a physicist. I didn't want to be in biology. I wanted to be chemistry, but I want young girls to know that it it doesn't matter what you're interested in. Just read as much as you can about it, learn about it. And then once you're passionate about it and you have these skills, share it with the world as much as you can to make the world a better place.
1: Fantastic. And I love that you did the nonfiction and the fiction because again, as we talked about, There are children who, if they don't want to know about science. They don't want to know about chemistry. They don't want to know anything about it. But if they're caught up in a book, Mm -hmm. uh, the books that you're describing, well, you know, getting the itch for it and wanting more and wanting more, well, maybe it's not such a nerdy thing. Right. Because remember, you know, people, programmers, computers, nerds, scientists, nerds. nerds. And in fact, you mentioned Bill Nye. So I'm going to read what Bill Nye said about your book. Whether you're baking a pie, washing your hands or watching a sunset, Dr. Bitterdorf shows that science is everywhere. And it's fun. She's a proud nerd. And in the pages of this essential book, you'll discover the great wonder of chemistry. After all, it's elemental. So um, I think what you've done on, on how you've, you've accomplished this is not just reaching out to the children, but actually reaching out to the adults who really didn't get a chance to learn much about it because it wasn't interesting back then. No one made it interesting. You had a, a teacher that made it interesting for you. But I've
0: also had teachers that made it boring so don't get me wrong like I've had the chemistry professor you all had I know what you're thinking of when you think of it in your head I know um and so to me I just want to make it fun and we've been I go I go through the best parts of the day my favorite parts of chemistry and the things that are boring that don't necessarily get non-nerds excited. They didn't make the cut. They're not in the story. So it's only interesting things, uh, things that you're actually going to see in your everyday life. Like how, when you think I have an entire chapter on baking a pie, the entire process of baking a pie is all chemistry, whether you like it or not. And it was one of my favorite ones to write because my mom bakes pies. She makes incredible pies. And so I learned how to bake in her kitchen. And I think that was part of where I learned to be a chemist, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know that's what I was doing. When
1: did you realize that that's what you were doing?
0: i old, man. man. Honestly, really old, like too old. I, <laughs> like fifty. It? I mean, college. Probably college when I really put it together and I was actually taking the chemistry courses and they're talking through what happens during the Mylard reaction or during caramelization, you know, how your proteins are breaking apart into amino acids or how your complex carbs are breaking down into simple sugars. And so once I started hearing the real world examples, it was easier for me to connect the material I was learning in my classroom to the real world stuff. But a lot of professors don't do that. They just talk about the nitty gritty of the, the, I almost said the apple, the atoms. (laughs) (laughs) and the molecules, and they don't translate how it applies to an apple or an orange. And so that's the piece that's missing. And a lot of professors don't do that. I'm really lucky that at the University of Texas, our entire first year of curriculum, one of our most important things is we always, always bring our lecture back to something, one real world example. So the kids in my classroom that don't want to be chemists, maybe they just want to be amazing surgeons and doctors, but they have to take my class. They can find a reason to stay excited you know, 75 minutes for chemistry at 8 a.m. That's hard for anybody. And y'all have heard how much energy I have. Like, that's just a lot of 8 a.m. So you, you got to give them something, a reason to stay awake.
1: <laughs> so even though uh, we said that girls usually by the time they hit puberty make a decision in their mind that, you know, this is what they like, this is what they don't like, there's still a chance that you could change people's minds while you're teaching them because of how you teach
0: correct my favorite thing is for people to tell me they don't like chemistry on day 1 or to like admit that they kind of don't like it because then it's game on i have 9 <laughs> months with these students good luck at the end of the end at the end of the year you will like chemistry or at the very least you'll have an appreciation for the pieces that you're going to see and ex- interact with on your daily day, day to day life
1: <laughs> well your energy alone shows that not only are you excited about it, but you love sharing your excitement with others. Um, and it's great. So if you had one thing to say, I think you've said probably quite <laughs> a bit as far as what you're looking for, but give me one, one, one last thing. Of uh, what I'm looking for?
0: What, you, what, what, it's what you? would you hope
1: that people are getting from from, us talking Ooh. right now.
0: Honestly, I hope people see maybe that everything they see, everything they interact with has atoms or molecules. If you can see it, if the, if you can touch it, if you can feel it, it has to do with chemistry. There's molecules, there's atoms, there's electrons, there's bonds there. And so if you like something, anything, what it is, go online and read just a tiny bit about it, because you might find that you, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I didn't know how that's how fireworks worked. Or I didn't know that's how glow sticks work. So just follow your interests and, and challenge yourself to take on one new concept a day, which might be a lot. Maybe once a week, I don't want to push you. <laughs> and what do you open. do? do? Good. Oh, yes, open your mind. What do you do for fun? Oh man, okay. So I like to work out. I I used to be a fitness instructor, and so there's an entire chapter on working out and how there's a chemistry in there. But I accidentally just joined this gym. I thought I was taking an aerobics kickboxing class, but it's an actual kickboxing class. So I just started that, and I'm having a blast. I had no idea how much fun that would is. So right now, that's my favorite thing I'm doing is these kickboxing classes with real gloves and bags and everything. <laughs> well, that
1: sounds fantastic. I'm not because I don't like putting my hands in gloves. They sweat too much, but I think that sounds fantastic. That's so fair. Kate, where can people find out more about you?
0: They can go to katethechemist.com or they can find me on social media, on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at Kate the Chemist. On Twitter, I'm k the Chemist. And if you want to find any of my books, they're available anywhere books are sold. So thank you so much for your time. This has been such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Are you Are kidding?
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Join me next week when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. This has been a Life of Prey production.